name is Sophia. My name is Steve. My name is Lauren. Jade. Greg. Ben. Lindsay. Dude. I'm a student. I am an advocate for mental health. I'm a dad. I am a videographer. I am a giant nerd. I am an engineer. I'm a senior in high school. I'm a barista. I'm a volleyball player. I'm a husband and father of four. I am a designer. I am a foster dad. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful that you guys are with us, whether you're joining us in person or you're joining us online. We're grateful to have you, and our hope is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. I want to let you know about next week. Uh, next Sunday, there's this thing called Easter happening, uh, and, uh, and as a church, uh, we are not meeting here Okay, so if you show up here, it's going to be a very poor start to your day because you're going to be all alone. Uh, so make sure you come. We're going to be meeting at the event center at the Douglas County Fairgrounds. It's that big building where uh, JBF or whatever it's called and uh, the father-daughter dance, like all of that, a huge building. That's where we're going to be meeting. So instead of having like four services, we're going to have one service, which I'm super pumped about. Uh, and, uh, man, it's going to be good. We've been planning this for months. Uh, and we're super excited about what God has planned. Please. Invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers, your friends, your family members. Uh, you can use the peep that's on your chair to do that, or you can use an invite card, or just text message them, or whatever. Uh, but just firm, believe this, like expect this, that God wants to use your invitation to create life transformation in the life of somebody else. So uh, if God wants to do something in someone's life, maybe he wants to use you to, uh, to, to steer them toward himself. And so I can't wait to see what's going to happen next week. Today, we're going to uh, wrap up our series on the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians is a book in the Bible. It was a letter written by a guy named Paul to the church at Ephesus. But really, it's a letter for you and I today. And we've been looking at this big idea, kind of the central theme uh, of Ephesians is identity. And discovering who you are. And we've said this multiple times that uh, if you don't know who you are, you don't know what is yours to do. But when you do know who you are, then you know what your purpose is, why you were created, why, why you're here. And so we're going to continue that discussion today. Now, just as a, a precursor to everything, we uh, usually every week we give like action steps and all like how do, how do you take this, this scripture and apply it to your life today. Today we're going to look at a little bit more of a, a, a mindset shift, uh, how you can change your mentality with certain things. I was talking with a guy after last service, he's 85 years old, and he said, Ernest, I wish I would have heard this message 65 years ago. Uh, it is a massive shift for most of us. Uh, I'll guarantee you that. It was for me when, when, when it uh, began to happen in my life. And so I just want to pray for us because I think God's got some cool things for us. Father, we just come before you and we thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for this opportunity to be here. And uh, God, for every person who's come, whether they're in person or they're watching online, we pray that, Father, you would just speak to us. You know our story, you know our name, you know what we're dealing with. And so, God, I pray that you would speak right into our lives in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's start off by asking this question by, by show of hands. How many of you love to play games? Like card games, board games, video games, sports, any of those? Yeah, so most of us. Uh, I love playing all games. Uh, I love playing card games. There's a game called Canasta. My mother-in-law introduced me to it, and I'm pretty sure uh, that 85% of those who play it are 70 and older. So when I get to 70, I'm going to be world champion. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, I love playing board games. I love Risk and Settlers of Catan. Why? 
because I want to dominate the world. Um, I, I love sports. I love watching sports. I love playing sports. I love playing softball and basketball. And even though I'm older and slower and chubbier than I was 20 years ago, I still love to play sports. But what is the real reason that I love to play games? Close? It's associated. It's because I want to win. Right? Like I've never met a person that's like, I love playing games, but I but I just like to do it for the company that's around me. That's a person who loses a lot. That's like your excuse, right? Like, oh, I, I'm terrible, so I got to make up something else, right? Like, no, you want to win. That's why you play anything. And, and that desire to win, my wife might say the need to win, that's just because she loses a lot to me, uh, is, <laughs> I'm just joking, babe. Uh, not really. Um, is uh, it trickles down to every area of my life. Like I want to be the best at everything. I want to be the best husband, the best father, the best pastor, the best communicator. I want to be the best at everything. And I want to win spiritually. I want to win in my spiritual life. Like I want when I pray prayers that they would get answered every time. I want that when I, when I discover sin in my life, when I know I have certain sin, that, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack that sin and I'm going to get that out of my life. That, that I know that I have an enemy to my soul and I'm going to beat him every time he comes against me. I want to win spiritually. And I think that's true for most of us. But what if we're fighting a war that we can't win in this moment? Like what if we're playing a game that it's impossible to have a winner or a loser right now. I know some of you are thinking, oh, what, Ernest, where are you going with this? I mean, you're the guy that's told us that, that Jesus has won, that what Jesus did on the cross and what we celebrate next week and Jesus rising from the dead, that that showed his power over sin and over death, that he is already victorious, that we've already won this thing. You've already said that. And now you're saying that maybe there's not a winner or a loser. I 100% believe that we are victorious. I 100% believe that Jesus has already won, and yet he still allows Satan to have dominion now. He still allows Satan to have power now. And so maybe this battle that we're in is maybe we're, the, the true victory, the full victory that we have is going to be one day when, when God decides to create a new heaven and a new earth or, or when we get to heaven or whatever. Maybe that's when the full victory is experienced, but for now, maybe there's no winner or loser. You see, there's two types of games in this world. There's games that are called finite games. A finite game, there's, there's known players, there's known rules, and there's a, a agreed upon objective. You all know the objective. So take uh, football. Football has two teams, it has certain rules, and at the end of the day, whoever has the most points wins. That's how football is played. It's a finite game. The other type of game is an infinite game. An infinite game, there's known and unknown players. The rules, they change uh, uh, throughout, throughout the course of the game. And then the objective is not to win or lose. The objective is to simply stay in the game. perfect example of that is uh, parenting. <laughs> right? Like in parenting, there's no winning or there's a lot of losing, it feels like. But there's no, like, I won as a parent. Right? There's none of that. It's like I'm just trying to survive or I'm just trying to keep from killing my kids, you know? Like, there's like, that's the objective, is like, just stay in the game. There's no like, I beat other parents today, you know? Or I won against my kids. I do in games, but not in parenting. There's no winner or loser. It's a game where you're just trying to stay in it. You're just trying to be faithful. 
Now the problem arises when there's a game where there's a finite player and an infinite player. There's a finite player. There's a player who believes that their main objective is to win or lose. And then there's an infinite player who believes their main objective is simply stay in the game. The strategies are different, how they go about, their objectives are different, all of that. And the issue is, is the, the person who thinks that their goal is to win or lose, they eventually give up. Because they expend all their resources. They expend all their energy, all their power, all their money, whatever it is. They expend all of this to try to win something that they actually can't win. And the other person is going, I'm just going to stay in until you give up. A perfect example of this right now is the Ukrainian war. You have Russia. Russia's playing a finite war. They're playing this finite game, a real game of risk, a live game of risk right now, where their objective is to win. They have a very clear objective. We are going to win. That is their, their role. Then you have the Ukrainians, and their goal is just to stay in the game. I mean, even President Zelensky said, even if Russia conquers our country, we will continue to fight. What is he saying? We're not going after winning or losing. We're just going to stay in the game. And when that happens, it creates frustrations for the one who thinks that we just have to win. We just have to be victorious. And eventually, that one loses heart. But what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with Ephesians? What does this have to do with real life and spirituality and all of that? See, I think for many years, I was playing this game of, of winning or losing spiritually. I was thinking, man, if I pray the right prayers, then, then, then I'll get those prayers answered. Or, you know, I can, I can overcome all my sin in my life. Or I can defeat Satan. And there were days I felt like I was winning. There were days I'm like, man, this is great. Man, I, I'm feeling good about my faith and about my relationship with God and all that. And then there were many days I felt like I was losing. And when you feel like you're losing spiritually... You begin to question a lot of things. You begin to ask the question, man, am I a good follower of Jesus? Do I even have enough faith? What's wrong with me? Or we ask, well, what's wrong with God? I mean, God said, if you pray these things, like if these are in his will, then this will happen. Well, I prayed those things and it didn't happen. God, are you even good? Are you faithful? Do you see me? Do you care about me? Do you love me? Like, God, where are you? I, can I trust your word because it says this, but I'm not seeing that right now? And for many years, I was playing this game, this spiritual game, to win. And when I was losing, I began to question my faith. And I believe that there's a lot of people right now that are walking away from the faith. They're walking away from church. They're walking away ultimately from God. Because they're playing this game to win or lose when God's going, that's not the game. That's not the game that we're in. That's not the war that you and I are facing right now. I began to read Ephesians chapter 6 many, 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 many years ago and began to transform my perspective on our faith and how we live out our faith. And, and, and in Ephesians 6, we see a couple things. We see one, that this isn't a game we're playing, it's actually a war. You and I are in a real battle, a battle for our own souls, a battle for the soul of the church, a battle ultimately for God's kingdom. We're in a real battle, a real fight. And then we're in a battle that today, unless Jesus comes back and creates a new heaven and a new earth, today, like literally today, this Sunday, there's probably not going to be a winner or a loser. Sure, ultimately, Christ is victorious. 
He already has won. And if you're a follower of Christ, you are victorious. You get to stand in that. But the battle we face right now, there's probably not going to be a winner or a loser today. So just stay in the game. Just remain faithful. So what we see in Ephesians chapter 6 is we see, we see kind of three ways for you and I to remain in the game, to remain victorious in Christ. Why remain victorious? Because I've already said, you're already victorious. Because of Christ, he's already created victory. If you're a follower of him, you have victory. But that victory might not be today. You might not see the results of it in this moment. So how do you remain in the war, in the battle? How do you remain victorious in Christ? Let me give you three things. Number one, you've got to know the source of your victory. You've got to know the source of your victory. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, and we'd love to get you one. If you go to our Connections tent, we have Bibles right there. You can download the Bible app. That's a great resource as well. We're also going to have the scripture up on the screen. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Stop there for a moment. Paul says, finally, all right, after, after everything I've written to you, here's the last thing I'm giving to you. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Sounds so simple. And yet for me, and I would say for most men, maybe for most ladies, I'm not sure, but definitely for me and most men, this is hard. To remain in God's power, in his mighty power, to like focus on him being the source of our strength, that's tough because there's many times I think, well, I can do this on my own. I mean, I'm, I'm gifted enough in this. I'm, I'm skilled enough to this. I'm, I'm powerful enough in this. I'm mighty enough to do this or whatever it may be. And so I've got this. I can do this on my own. I don't have to rely on God. I don't need God's help right now. When I need God's help, I'll ask for his help. And I rely on my power. It's kind of like juggling. Now, I'm not a juggler, okay? So don't think you're going to be watching something really cool here. You're not. When my kids were little, and this is a trick, if you, if you have little kids, listen very closely, or if you're going to have little kids at some point. When my kids were little, they couldn't like throw up a ball and catch or anything like that, so I could just do this. They were like, wow, dad, you're amazing. I felt like Superman. I'm like, yeah, I am. And then they got a little bit older, and they're like, okay, that's boring, dad. So then I'm like, okay, wow, look at this. They're like, wow, dad, you could do two? That's crazy. I'm like, I know. And then they get a little bit older, like, that's boring. And I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me try this with the lights and everything. Like, okay, well, how about this? I can't go for very long, so that's about all I got. And, I can do, and my daughter, at one point, she's like, Dad, how about four? And I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to show off or anything because I can't do it. But I think in life, we juggle a lot. And we, we go, okay, I got this. I'm good. I'm good on my own. I can do one. And then, then something else comes up, and we're like, okay, Mike, I can do two. I can do two things, and we add in three, and then four, and we're like, I'm good. And for me, at least, and may, I, I might not be speaking for you, okay? I do know that I'm speaking for at least a few men in here, and maybe some ladies. But for me, I like to show the world that I can juggle a lot. I, got, I can do a lot. I got enough. I, I'm gifted in some areas. I can do a lot of different things. And I want the world to be like, wow, Ernest. Like, you're good at a lot of things. Like, you could juggle a lot of things. At once. I don't know how you do so much or whatever the, the terminology that people want to give to me. Man, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, yeah, they, look at me. And God is not impressed. <laughs> not impressed. God's like, really? You can do one or two? Really impressive, Ernest. 
And eventually it all falls. Eventually it all comes crumbling down. Because you can't live life on your own power. At least not in a healthy way. At least not in a way that you'll be able to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. Not in a way where your relationships around you will remain healthy. The only way for you to do those things and ultimately to remain in this war, to remain victorious in Christ, is to know the source of your victory. Your victory is not on your own power. It's on the power of God. And think about the power of God. The power of God displayed itself when he split the sea and the Israelites walked on dry land. The power of God displayed itself when he gave sight back to the blind. The power of God displayed itself when he allowed people who couldn't walk to stand up, take your mat, and go home. And then the greatest display of God's power was when Jesus rose from the dead, which is what we're going to celebrate next Sunday. That's God's power. And the Bible says you have access to that power. If you're a follower of Christ, you have access to the power of God. If you've asked Christ to come into your life and you said, okay, God, I may not be the best follower. I may not fully understand. I may still have some doubts and all of that. But you've asked Jesus to come into your life. Then you now have access to that power. And the only way to remain in the war is to know the source of your power. It is not on you. You might be able to juggle a lot of things. But eventually it will come crashing down. Some of us are feeling the weight of that right now. Some of us, we're looking at our life or our situation or this one circumstance or whatever, and God's going, will you just give that to me? Will you just give me this, this relationship? Will you just give me your child? Will you just give me your finances? Will you just give whatever it is? Stop trying on your own and know the source of your power. The only way to remain victorious is number one, to know the source of your power. It's in Christ and Christ alone. Second thing is you got to know your enemy. Know your enemy. Look at verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So who's your enemy? The devil. The devil's scheming against you. The devil's scheming against our world. The devil's scheming against God's kingdom. The devil is constantly scheming to come against you. So Paul says, hey, hey, guess what? Your enemy is the devil. And in case, Ernest, you... You, you're just too hard-headed or you get distracted by other things. I got to repeat it. So let me go to verse 12. For our struggle is not. Say not. Our struggle is not against what? Say it with me. Against flesh and blood. But against the rulers. Not rulers like the president or the governor or the mayor or whoever else we see in power. The rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He says, our fight is not against flesh and blood. But who have we made this fight against over the last two years? Flesh and blood. It's those people. It's people who voted for that person. It's the people with the agenda it's the far left, the far right, the conservatives, the liberals. It's others. When God is saying, man, that's not your battle. And when you don't know who your enemy is, man, it, it disrupts everything. It's why there's so many broken relationships right now. It's why there's so many people who are tired, who are frustrated. Man, I, I've been in ministry for over 20 years, and I've never talked to as many people as I have in the last two years who would say, Ernest, Man, I have so many broken relationships. Ernest, I'm mentally exhausted. Ernest, I'm angry. Like, I didn't even know I had this much anger, but, man, it's coming out. Like, what do I do? 
And we can blame that on a lot of things. We can blame it on the isolation, and I believe that's a, a major piece of things that people are struggling with. We can blame it on political stuff, and I think that's some, some, some of the issues we have. We can blame it on the fears that, that we've all been, uh, uh, it's been pushed onto us and that many of us have in different areas of our lives. We can blame it on fears because that's, that's troubling. But one area that we have to blame, and we don't because we don't like to talk about it, is that we have made the battle against each other and not against the real enemy. There has never been a war in history where people didn't know who the enemy was. Let me say that again. There's never been a war in history that people didn't know who the enemy was. They may not have known what he looked like or how to find them, but they knew who the enemy was until now. Because as followers of Christ... So many of us are fighting a war with each other, with one another, with those people, with that agenda. And when we do that, when you fight me and I fight you, the enemy just keeps taking ground. He loves it. He loves when our distraction is on one another and not on him because he just keeps taking ground. And Paul's saying, your enemy is not your friend, not your neighbor, it's not the person on Facebook. It's not the person that sits in the White House. It's not whoever you want to name. It's not those people. Your enemy is Satan. He's the enemy of your soul. And unless you know he's your enemy, you can't fight the war. It's impossible. You'll get frustrated. You'll want to give up. You can't stay in it. You can't remain victorious in Christ if you don't know who your enemy is. Your enemy is real. He's a liar. He's got a lot of power. And his name is Satan. If you want to remain, a victorious, remain victorious in Christ, you got to know where your source of your power comes from. It comes from Christ. you got to know your enemy. And then lastly, you got to know your gear. you got to know your gear. I love this passage, verse 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So know the truth of God. Don't allow yourself to be guided by, by lies or by misinformation or whatever. Be focused on truth with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So your breastplate is, is being able to stand before God and say, God, I'm doing everything I can to follow after you, like the righteousness of God. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, that you know that you know that you know that your God is with you. And so every situation you walk into, man, you can have peace. Because your God is big, he's powerful, and he's right there in the midst of it with you. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So there's this shield that protects you, but it's a shield of faith. How great is your faith? Do you really believe that God loves you, that God sees you, that God is powerful, that God can do anything in all things? Do you really believe that? Because that's your shield. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The only offensive weapon is the sword. That's what Jesus did in the desert when Satan's tempting him and he's, he's, he's lying to him. And what does Jesus do to combat him? He just uses God's word. He just quotes scripture. Do you have a sword? Do you have a weapon to fight against the enemy? You've got to know your gear and every day put it on. I mean, you look at any, uh, most professions have certain, uh, a certain gear that they wear or that they have. 
I mean, my dad, he was a soldier for so long, and when he went off to the first Gulf War and then the second, second Gulf War, like, he had so much gear with him. And he knew every item that he had, and he knew its usefulness. Why? Because he needed to be prepared for the battle. I mean, you look at, my wife's a nurse. She has certain gear that she has to put on to be able to do what she does. I know businessmen that have gear that they have to, they have to wear certain things and, and do certain things and have certain things with them when they go into a meeting to be able to be professional, to be able to be taken seriously or whatever. you got to know your gear. And when Paul writes this, he's, he's writing about soldiers, but the soldiers are, are much more like police officers in today's world. Uh, we think of them as like soldiers, like our soldiers, but that's not really how the soldiers were back in Roman times. They were more like police officers. So we thought we'd do a little video. Take a look at this. Hey, Front Range. So I'm standing here with Justin Smith, one of Castle Rock's finest. Now, Justin, you're a police officer, and as an officer, you have, to, you have a uniform, you have a lot of gear to wear um, and to, to carry. So how does your gear and your uniform help you to do your job effectively? Yeah, so we... As police officers, we wear a uniform, um, and then we also wear body armor, which we have underneath our, our uniform, and that body armor protects us. Um, and then we also have a belt that has our weapon, uh, less lethal weapon, handcuffs, some other accessories that we use as well. Okay, so the first part of all of your gear is your uniform. So let's get that uniform on now. Okay. Whoa! Dude, all right, you're looking good. Okay. Uh, okay, so Justin, talking about the uniform, I mean, your chest was big before, but now it's pretty big. It's yeah, partly it's, because yeah. you're wearing body armor, Yes. right? So yeah. tell me, what does body armor do? Uh, so the body armor that we wear is, uh, we wear it under our uniform top. It protects against uh, small arms, fire, uh, so anything from a pistol. Uh, we also wear a plate carrier which protects us against rifle, rifle rounds. So really the, the, the worst possible situation we could be in, our body armor protects against that. And does it only cover the front? It covers the front and the back. Okay, all right. All right. Now how about the shoes? You know, you're not wearing Jordans or sandals, you're wearing British. boots. What's the importance of wearing nice boots? Gotta have nice, gotta have comfortable, comfortable footwear being a police officer. Um, so just, we, we wear just regular, just tactical military style boots. It helps us, you know, because we walk a lot. Uh, we're out on the, on a road. We may be on a scene for, for a few hours. So it's really important that we have, you know, good, comfortable, comfortable boots. Yeah. All right. So we've talked a little bit about some of the more defensive aspects of your uniform and of the gear. Uh, but there's times where you have to be proactive. There's times where you have to engage a situation. So what do you have that allows you to be proactive? <clears throat> sure. Um, so we carry, we carry a taser, um, which is uh, it's known as a less lethal weapon. We also have a pistol. So in that situation where we do uh, encounter a deadly force situation, we have, we have the tool to not only protect myself and other officers, but also the community as well. Um, and then we carry additional uh, ammo for that as well. And so your belt's kind of an important piece yes, to sir. be able to carry yep. all of those things. Yep. Okay, so maybe the most important question is, can you test out that taser on me? Uh, I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now help us understand this. Um, you've got all this gear on. How does all of this stuff mentally um, allow you to stand your ground? 
You know, this passage in Ephesians talks a lot about stand firm, stand firm. And I think part of that ability to stand firm is having the right gear and knowing that you're protected. How does having the right gear, the right uniform, the right boots, everything allow you to stand your ground? We have the best chance against any kind of situation that we can encounter. And when I put this uniform on, when I, when I put my vest on and my uniform on and I walk out the door, I'm ready for business. And, and that's protecting the community, protecting my family, protecting your family. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all that you do, man. Thank you for how well you serve this community. Uh, I think there's a lot of people in our church that know you, not just from Sunday mornings yep. and how you serve our church and serve in kids, but also serve as an officer. But uh, we uh, see you around town a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're very grateful for all that you and all the other officers in our town do to protect us, to care for us. Uh, I'm grateful that, that uh, God has allowed you to be here and uh, called you to do what you do. Hey, Front Range, so I'm standing. I love what, uh, oh, we can watch that again if y'all want. Um, I love what um, uh, Justin said there, that uh, they have the best chance to be prepared against whatever they're going to encounter. I think that's what Paul's saying here, that spiritually, every day if you put on the right gear, if you put on the armor of God, then you have the best chance for whatever you're going to encounter, whatever you're going to come up against. Whatever battle you're going to face that day, whatever someone's going to say to you or, or what's going to happen in your life, whatever the enemy ultimately is scheming against you, you're going to have your best chance if you know your gear and you put it on every day. So here's my encouragement to you. Whether you're, uh, uh, you're in the midst of a battle right now or whether you're like, whew, I just got out of a, a pretty strong battle or, or you're kind of starting to enter it or whatever, wherever you are, my encouragement to you is to read through and to pray through Ephesians 6, 13 through 17, every day. That every day you put on the armor of God. That every day you say, hey, God, I, today I'm putting on the belt of truth. I want to walk in your truth today. God, I'm going to put on the sandals of peace, the shoes of peace, God, because today whatever situation I'm going to encounter, I want your peace that surpasses understanding to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I'm going to put on the helmet of, salva of salvation. I want you to protect my mind and the thoughts that I have. Every item... God, help me to put this on today so that I have the best chance against whatever I'm going to encounter. I love Paul here. He says, if you put on the former of God, then when the day of evil comes, you can stand. And he says, stand firm. Stand. Stand firm then. Four different times. What's he saying? He's saying that today you might feel like you're winning. You might feel like you're losing. You're in a battle that until God comes back and creates a new heaven and a new earth, or until you go to heaven, you're going to continue to face this battle every day. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't be in despair. Stand firm. For some of us today, we need to remember where our source comes from. That the source of your power is not in your intellect, not in your ability, not in your wealth. That the source of your power comes from Christ and Christ alone. I mean, God's power is so much greater. So much greater. He parted a sea, raised people from the dead. What can he do for you today? What do you need him to do in your life? Run to him. Instead of trying to juggle it all, run to him. For some of us, that's our step today. For others of us, we need to refocus on the real enemy. 
We've allowed all this mess over the last couple of years to sidetrack us, to get our focus off of who our true enemy is and to put our attention on other people. And you're in strained relationships right now. Maybe there's heartache, there's anger, there's mental health issues going on. Not all because of this, but in large part because our, our true enemy is being let off the hook because we're focusing on one another. So some of us, we need to refocus our attention onto him and fighting him. And then for all of us, let's know our gear and put it on every day so that every day, no matter what we face, because would you agree with me? Most battles that we face in life, we don't know are coming. But God does. And you put on that armor today, he knows what you're going to face. It will allow you to stand. To stand firm. And when the day of evil comes, stand. Let me say it again. Stand. Let me pray. Father, I come before you and I thank you so much just for your word and this opportunity we've gotten to be able to just read through and study Ephesians over the last seven weeks. And I just pray, Father, for this particular message. I pray for so many of us, God, this is such a foreign concept because in our culture, And in America and Western culture, God, we've been taught to win. And if you're not winning, you're losing. And so, Father, I I pray that, God, you would help us to transform our mentality so that when there are days and we feel like we are losing, God, we wouldn't give up. We wouldn't begin to question our faith and question you and question your word. We would just hold fast. That, Father, every day we would be reminded of where our source is of power comes from, that it comes from you and you alone. God, there are some of us in this room that if we're going to be real honest, we'd say, man, Ernest, I, I came into this place and, yeah, I feel like I've been juggling a lot. And I'm tired. I feel exhausted. And if that's you, God's just simply saying to you today, just come home. What does that mean? It means recognizing that Jesus died for your sins God in his great power rose Jesus from the dead to show his power over death and over sin. And coming home means you place your faith in him and what he's already done for you. Does that mean that you, you won't have any more questions? No, you still have questions. You're still going to have doubts. But it means you're taking a step of faith today to say, okay, I want to place my faith in Christ. And maybe you've already done that a long time ago. Maybe you've never done that, but you walked into this place kind of feeling exhausted, empty, knowing that a change needs to happen. This is the first step. If that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, you say, man, I want to take this step of faith today. I just want you to raise your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. I thank you that you know them by name. You know their story. You know what they're walking through. And I pray, Father, as we place our faith in you, God, you would give us a peace that surpasses understanding. You would give us a hope and a faith, God, that, that, Father, you are in control. You do see us. Ultimately, you have forgiven us for our sins, God. Thank you for that. God, let us rely on your power. God, for some of us, God, we've been turning our attention to the wrong enemy. So, Father, help us to redirect our attention 
back to the enemy of our soul, back to Satan. Not being afraid of him, not being scared of him, but being willing to stand against him and his schemes because we are victorious in Christ. And God, I pray that you would help us every day to put on the full armor of God. Help us to read that passage and pray that passage over our lives every day, Father, so that we're prepared for whatever we're going to come up against. God, may you move in our hearts today and in our lives. Shift our mentality, God, from I can win this today to, God, I'm going to remain faithful. No matter what I go through, no matter what I deal with, I'm going to remain faithful to you. And I thank you that you are faithful to me. In Jesus' name.